This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Larry, how you feeling, my friend? I'm doing great, partner. How are you? Can't complain. Nice weekend of football. Last big one we get. We get two more big games, and then yes. obviously the big game. So the big it's game. starting. To, it's starting to fade. It is starting to fade, and with snow coming down, Gordon, it was kind of a you know day. You know what I'm saying? Today was a, that, that kind of day. Well, look, I mean, we've been very fortunate, right? Oh, absolutely. Like into mid January, oh. we really haven't seen any. And the best part of it didn't stick. Oh, that's always the best part. <laughs> always the best part. So, Gordon, I had a, I had the privilege of having a show last night. Yeah. So I covered a lot of stuff. I, I was even on the air when um, Ezekiel Elliott found out that he pissed somebody off in the Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> in the Larry, Dallas. you could tell with how long that play was taken to come up with. You knew that was going to be stupid. As soon as you knew, you know, at the end of the game, they got one thing left. It's going to be a dumb play. You can just tell that. Was, and you know what? It did not disappoint. It was unbelievably bad. It was unbelievably bad. I'm like, what are you doing? Why? And why Ezekiel Elliott? <laughs> unbelievable. You would to think the, that these coaches yeah. have all these plays, right? For, yes. for a specific occasion. All right, mm-hmm. we're going to pull this one out of our bag of tricks. If that's what you got in your bag of tricks, it's time to throw away the the, whole, the entire bag of tricks. The whole bag's got to go. The whole bag should be out. The whole bag's got to go and, uh, you know, and throw the watch out, too, while you're at oh, it. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> throw that the clock horrendous. out as well. All right, Gordon, so I had the pleasure to tell everybody last night what was going on. Let's hear your thoughts. The floor is yours, my friend. Well, do you, do you want to start Giants? Do you want to start the whole thing? How do you want to go? Uh, why don't you start the whole thing and finish with Giants? Well, look, I mean, at the end of the day um, – I, I think that despite how disappointing a performance the Giants put up on Saturday, I think the two performances you got yesterday, not that they would make you feel better about your team getting hammered, but they make you feel a little bit better about your team getting hammered. You know what I mean? Like the, between the Bills' loss to the Bengals the way they lost, and then the Cowboys, which I don't think their loss was embarrassing, but the fact that it was the quarterback was so bad and that was the final play of the game, even though the final play of the game probably wasn't going to mean anything anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, it had to make Giant fans feel a little bit better. And with the way that the Giants season went, no matter when it ends, it's always going to be a disappointment, especially when you get hammered the way they did. Yeah. But I think that however long is the quickest you can turn a page on a season, I think the Giants are pretty close to the quickest you can turn a page on a season. Because going into that game, you – if you were thinking that your team had a chance, you found out right away you didn't. Mm-hmm. And I think what happens in that situation is, okay, we're nowhere close to that team, but let's take a look at where we're at. And for a first season with the new GM and the new head coach, I think you have to, you have to be looking ahead pretty quickly, especially after a bad, a, a, as bad as that got on Saturday night. It was, and we talked a little bit about it last night, and I just want to get your thoughts. I know it didn't mean anything because the game was was out of hand. I get it, and I mentioned that last night. But, Gordon, I got to tell you, I, I thought uh, Coach Staley had, had jumped onto the Giants' st- sidelines when they went, in, went for it on fourth and eight. Yeah, I mean, at the time, it did seem like a big play, given with the – I think what that was was that Brian Dable was saying, we we are not going to be really able to slow them down a lot. So mm-hmm. we are going to have to make the most of our possessions. And if we, lo- if we lose by 40, so be it. But this is the only way we're going to even keep it close. Mm-hmm. So if we're going to lose, let's go down swinging. Uh, and at the end of the day – that one, it, it didn't really matter no, because, didn't matter the, the, at all. you know, it's a coaching league, but at some point talent becomes an issue. And that mm-hmm. was clearly a talent issue. The Eagles are as talented as team that is still left. And if you were wondering, because I was wondering, are they going to be able to flip the switch? Mm-hmm. Right. They had a lot of red flags to me between the quarterback's injury, between the fact they hadn't really played well in a while and they got out on that field, and they absolutely flipped the switch, and it was over for the Giants. Yeah, and it was over rather quickly. It was over rather quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, takeaways for me, Gordon, I got to tell you, uh, I don't know what happens with Buffalo, but something's going on with, with that team. 
um, Josh Allen has not looked good. And to be honest, you know, Joe Burrow's just taken that mantle away from him. He's just moved right past him. He's been just great this postseason. He's been great during the regular season. I mean, Cincinnati's a really good team, Gordon. Yeah, I mean, they were kind of overlooked because it was this was the year for the Bills, and I put up a poll question just kind of wondering to see where the public was at because I know I have my, uh, my answer to this, and it was who do you think this year in the postseason has suffered the worst playoff loss? Is it the Bills? Is it the Chargers, the way they lost that game to the Jaguars? Was it the mm. Giants on Saturday night getting just absolutely manhandled in every phase of the game? Or was it the Cowboys in a game where you were hoping your court, your quarterback was your edge and your quarterback is the thing that sunk you in that game, right? All the other edges went to the 49ers in that game. The defense, um, the talent overall, the quarterback between the rookie, the seventh-round pick and Brock Purdy, or Dak Prescott, and Dak Prescott was absolutely terrible. Uh, so I was wondering where the public was at on that question. I still have it up. It's still up for another hour or so. Mm-hmm. To me, it's not even close. It's the Bills. Yeah. When you have the expectations that Buffalo had coming into this year and throughout the course of the season, this was last year was, hey, we got so close to taking down the Chiefs. And if we would have taken down the Chiefs, we probably would have won the Super Bowl this year. It's about getting over the hump and they don't even get back to the AFC championship game mm-hmm. and got manhandled in the process. Yeah. That game was not even close. Yeah, that was a shocking performance by the Bills, just an absolutely lifeless performance. And for all the questions about the, the Bengals' offensive line and, huh. you know, how are they, they – they, they just took it right to them. Yeah. There was, nev- there was really never a point where you felt like Buffalo got going in that game. No, no. It, w- it was, it was kind of scary. And it was on their home floor. I mean, yeah, you would think, too, right? Which is, which and is and also the elements, crazy. you thought the elements would favor Buffalo, right? A little snow yeah. in the air, a little mm-hmm. chill in the air. No, they, they, Cincinnati said, eh, so, well, but, you know, when you heard Joe Burrow at the end of the game, you understood why. <laughs> yeah, he's all the conversation about, you know, all the conversation about, well, it's not fair for there to be on the neutral field. He's like, there's not going to be a neutral field. We're going to Kansas City. And that yeah. was uh, clearly their rallying cry. Clearly, all week. That's what they, that's what, not that they needed anything to get them going, but that was clearly their focus was we're going to show Buffalo and everybody else that we're here to stay. And they're going to be tough. And, Gordon, I got to say, listen, I have a lot of respect for Andy Reid in Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes on on a compromised ankle. But, I mean, they haven't beaten them three times. You, how, could you not, how could you not go with Cincinnati in this game next week? Yeah, I mean, with what Joe Burrow was able to do. And, and you know, when he does it, it doesn't look as spectacular mm-hmm. as when Josh Allen does it or when Patrick Mahomes does it. But the wins look pretty spectacular. I they mean, do. the fact that the, the Bengals have never – I don't think in, in, in the recent history, the Bengals are not as bad as the reputation was before Joe Burrow got there. But, mm-hmm. you know, in three years, they've gone from having the first pick in the draft – to a Super Bowl where they lost and, and might very well be going back this year. So when you talk about how long does it take to turn around, you know, with the Jets talking about how long it takes them to turn around or the Giants this first year, if you do it right and you get the right quarterback, it doesn't take nearly as long as if you, if you screw that up. And Joe Burrow has been sensational. And right now you'd have to say he has clearly surpassed Josh Allen as that second guy. He has. 1-800-919-3776. When we return, we'll take your phone calls and we'll share some more thoughts on NFL's Elite Eight weekend. That's next on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. And obvious that the level, the talent level of your backups are so important in every sport, but not more than the NFL, right? Because it's 100% injury rate, so you know that you're injured, the backups are going to play. And not that there was no example more evident than yesterday. Here comes Chad Henney off the bench, hadn't played since I don't know when, maybe since he was in Jacksonville, <laughs> right? Comes off the bench, takes them on what a 97-yard drive, and it ends up being the difference in the game. They take marches them right down the field for the touchdown after uh, Mahomes gets hurt. I mean, 
Andy Reid is so good that he puts everybody in their position. You can, as we said before, when you get to this level, you can tell who, which teams are really coached well and which teams are struggling. Yeah, uh, I, I kind of forgot that uh, Chad Henney was still in the league because uh, I was on the air when that injury happened, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, on the air you're trying to come off. But I know Henney was the, the backup. I think it was a couple of years ago he got in the game. Um, but I, I didn't think he was still there. And then I see him warming up on the side. I'm like, hey, my guy, former uh, fra- soon-to-be franchise quarterback for the Dolphins, Chad Henney. Uh, but I, look, the Chiefs, they're a well-oiled machine. And I think what that shows you more than – and we should have gotten to this point already. Don't compare yourself to the Chiefs. Mm. It feels like every team that's like trying to build something is always, well, the Chiefs did it this way, and the Chiefs did this, and the Chiefs did that. The Chiefs, are they were at a different level. Don't compare yourselves to Patrick Mahomes. Don't compare yourself to the Chiefs. Don't compare yourself to that organization because they have it. They've had it working here for a while now since Andy Reid really has gotten there and they've gotten Mahomes even before that. I mean, they were a good team even before that, but I don't think you can look to build your team like they are. Um, I think the Eagles are a good example of it. Um, maybe some other teams around the league of building an organization, but uh, the Chiefs, it just kind of feels like that they're they're the team to beat until they're beat. Yeah, and, and they just keep finding ways to plug people in. Now, clearly, they, they're not as explosive as they were with the now Miami Dolphins wide receiver Tyreek Hill. Mm-hmm. But still, they are pretty good, and they find ways to win games and – you know, we talk about Saquon Barkley and him coming back and possibilities and will they franchise him and they weren't close when they met in the, during the bye week. And you look at this kid Pacheco, Gordon, and he was a seventh-round pick and he's yeah. flying up and down the field. And you're like, geez, you can get a couple of these guys <laughs> for next to nothing, right? Seventh-round pick, you're not paying him a gazillion dollars. And it just, if you're running back and you're a veteran running back, it just it, it kills your market. It kills your value. Well, I had I had the stat, and I, I don't remember exactly what it was, but I think it's since 2013, the average salary for the lead runner, the lead running back on Super Bowl champion t- teams is a million dollars. Teams do not – winning teams do not sink that into the running back position. It's yeah. just uh, – this is not my opinion. This is fact. So uh, – I'm sure there are going to be a lot of conversations now about Saquon, uh, about uh, obviously Daniel Jones. To me, within the next year or so, the Giants have four, you would say, main pieces, right, that you you would like to have back if you could, right? Mm-hmm. If I asked you to rank them in terms of importance, these four players, how would you rank them? Dexter Lawrence, Andrew Thomas, Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley. Saquon's number four. Yeah, I, like however you draw it up, Saquon yeah. is number four. That's Jones the easiest one, one to figure out. And you just flip either what, what's your focus. Is it defense or offense? And you figure two, three, and you just put them in that area. Uh, absolutely. You know, for me, it would probably be the quarterback. Uh, but I, I could understand you going with Andrew Thomas as a franchise left tackle. I could certainly understand you going with Dexter Lawrence because, you know, he's a, a franchise piece on the defensive side of the ball. But no matter how you work that out, the fourth guy in that list is the running back. Yeah. And it's unfortunate. It's you know, very hard for those positions to get paid. And I don't know. It does seem like that they would like to have him back, but it also mm-hmm. seemed by the comments they made today that they have a price in mind. And if they can get that price, great. You see some reports that he turned down $12 million a season during the year. Mm-hmm. That doesn't speak great to – what he what is the most important thing to him if he wants more he, i'm assuming he wants more than 12 million dollars a year and it also speaks to the value that they put on him or that position not him the position yeah it speaks to that value as well 12 million no, no i don't think so <laughs> no i don't think that's going to work I, I mean even if he had been what we thought he was going to be when they drafted him or if he could have been the best version of him or he stayed healthy these past 5 years mm mm-hmm. mhm 13 14 million dollars into a running back when again they have a lot of things that they now we have I think they have more talent than we thought going into the year but there's still a lot of work to do yeah there still is and you're losing some of those guys right you're gonna lose some of those I mean you know the NFL roster I mean it flips every year it just it does and you you got to figure out what you're gonna do there 
you got the uh, you know Leonard Williams and his thirty two million mm-hmm. against the cap. You got to yeah. you got to try to restructure that, you know, because you still have pieces. You know, that, I mean, Joe Shane says you know about you know Poo Poo's the number one receiver, but I'll tell you, Gordon, uh, they need a number one receiver. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah Poo Poo it all you want, you need one. Right. I mean, the the reason why we look at Daniel Jones's season as being the success that it was, it's not just the team won more games than we expected and he played better and cut down on the turnovers, but we're also judging it on a sliding scale of, well, look what he had to work with. Well, that means he, after the season, you have to go out and give him more to work with. Yep. Otherwise, this is what you're going to get overall, and I don't know that that's necessarily – you're hoping that this is now a new floor for Daniel Jones, that he's now figured it out in year four and moving forward, he's going to be better than this. Mm-hmm. But I think to be better than this, he has to have better weapons to work with. Yeah, there's no question about that. And, and, he, and he does need to. And it might mean that you have to restructure your running game because I just, Gordon, I don't know. I just get the feeling, of course, it's it's early negotiations that both sides are, you know, playing and posturing and, you know, so on and so forth. But. Uh, I would not be surprised if Barkley's not back, if the price is wrong. I would not be surprised. Well, if he's looking for more than $12 million bucks, uh, I, I would be, I'd be surprised if, the, if the, the Giants are saying, hey, you know what, That's, this is the way we're going to build things mm-hmm. with the running back because nobody does that. No, no, they don't. And like we said, they've got other things that they have to figure out. And, um, you know, it, it's going to be interesting. Look, here's the positive thing. They won more games than they did. They showed some signs. They're, they're on the right track coaching-wise. Possibly because, Gordon, I mean, both the coordinators have, have been interviewed for jobs. You might end up losing both your coordinators. Well, and I mean, what does talking, that do? We're talking about the Bills. Do we think that it's quite possible that the reason that Josh Allen did not look the same this year mm-hmm. was because his offensive coordinator was now the Giants' head coach? Mm-hmm. I mean, that could certainly be a part of it, no? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's a different voice. And we don't know, even though you understand the what, what you're supposed to do, you can see that Dable held, held – you see how he holds people accountable? Mm-hmm. You can believe he held Josh Allen accountable. And I don't know if he was held as accountable this year as he was last year. I mean, nobody knows. It's just, it's just that now you, because they didn't reach their goal, you just look at them – a little differently, right? You you look at McDermott differently. You look at you have to sit down if you're Buffalo and look at everything and figure out what the heck went wrong. Obviously, no Von Miller. They had a bunch of injuries, but it's the NFL. Gordon, everybody has injuries. You know, they, they just did not get back to where they were supposed to. And you know, when you look at that, that's 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 not good. It just isn't good. It happens, but it's not good. Yeah, and, and look for the Giants. Uh, I know that there's been this. And I don't know if it's giant fans that feel this way, but this idea that the way that they lost somehow diminishes the season that they had, that's ridiculous. They, they, they went up against one of the most talented teams in the sport, a team that very well might win the Super Bowl this year, the best team in the conference, a team that has owned them. There was, I said this on Saturday, on paper, there was no reason to think that the Giants would have a shot to win that game, except that it's the Giants and miracles happen with the Giants. And you found out that you're nowhere close to where the Eagles are right now. So, but this was year one. I I don't care if you lost that game by 50 points. It's tough while you're going through it, but I don't think it diminishes the season at all. This season marks the 50th anniversary of New York Islanders hockey. To help celebrate, we're giving away tickets to the January 28th matchup against the Vegas Golden Knights at the UBS Arena. To enter, download the free ESPN New York app, scroll down the contests, and submit your entry. It's brought to you by the New York Islanders. Join in on the fun this season by grabbing your tickets at NewYorkIslanders.com. For full contest rules, go to ESPNNewYork.com. When we return, we'll hear from our Jordan Run-On about what could happen with the Giants, and we'll talk a little bit about the Knicks as well. And we'll take your phone calls on ESPN New York Tonight. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. The question is going to be, uh, how much are they going to pay him and how badly do they want him back? Now, Leonard from Far Rockaway spoke to Chantel, and he believes, Gordon, that with the style of play, especially that Daniel Jones is really now kind of close to what Josh Allen is. You know, the ability to run, the ability to, you know, extend plays, the ability to complete passes. Although this year, Josh Allen's ability to turn the football over has been better than Daniel Jones, which is a pleasant surprise for Giant fans. But, uh, you know, how much, 
how much is he going to ask for, Gordon? Is he going to ask for 30? I mean, I heard Kay earlier say if it's like if it's 32 or more than 32, I, he's not doing it. Yeah, look, uh, I've always kind of felt like the finger was on the scale from ownership that they like Daniel Jones, the person, and as long as his performance matched up with that, that they would figure out a way to bring him back. And he answered all the questions, or at least a lot of the questions this year. Could he cut down on the turnovers? Could he be more efficient? And I will say this. I know that his answers left something to be desired for people, that he didn't come out and say, I love the Giants and I'm definitely going to be here because that's not what you say in a negotiation. But uh, I will be shocked if he's playing somewhere else next year. So if it's $30 million, if it's $35 million, they'll figure out a, a, a way to, um, to make a deal work where I don't think he's going to be getting anywhere close to Patrick Mahomes' money. But he'll be, you know, right in the right in the range of the tenth to eleventh to eighth quarterback, whatever that salary is, somewhere around that range. And he'll be back, and they've had that. They'll they'll take care of that piece, and then it'll be about fixing all the other pieces that they need to fix. Uh, I don't know locking it in. I don't know whether that was a lock or whether Daniel Jones was just shot. I'm not, I'm not sure. Yeah, it did, <laughs> did sound like somebody was shot there. I don't know. That was not the the, the sound effect I was, I was expecting. No, I, I was. A little, but I mean, I was a little I scary. Mean, could you imagine this does not happen to the Giants where a free agent who they want back goes and leaves and signs somewhere else? Mm-hmm. But this is a little different, Gordon. And I, and I hear what you're saying about management and, you know, uh, you know, the Maras and the Tishes. I get it. But remember, the, Shane and Dable, they have no allegiance to him. If, if you know, they could say, well, we just we wanted to see what he did. I mean, they've said he's coming back, but from a financial standpoint, they have to draw a limit because they got a lot of stuff they need to get done, and they, they're they going to have to sign some free agents as well. I don't know what their salary cap situation is. Clearly, it's better than it was last year. I think they but, have around $50 million. Now, that okay. that number could always yeah. fluctuate and everything else. And it goes but, quick. Oh, of course. <laughs> that money goes fast. Well, well, if you're spending 30 of it on a quarterback, yeah. yeah it's, it's, it goes quick, and then, then you're mm-hmm. like, uh, Leonard, please, could we restructure that 32 that's against the cap this year? You know, so, I mean, I hear what you're saying, and I agree with you, but I do think in the back of their mind, there's a price that they won't they won't go past. And if it means they got to find somebody else and, and, you know, build the offense somewhere else, I think they, they're, they're prepared to do that. Well, look, it, it's money, and it is a contract, and it very well might be the only big-time contract that he signs. Mm-hmm. I know that there was – I can't remember who was saying it. Was it Rick and Dave? Uh, maybe it was Peter. I, I don't remember who said it. That Oh, this isn't going to be his last big contract. You don't know that. Yeah. Maybe maybe it will be. Maybe, maybe yeah. this year was a fluke, right? I mean, you never know. Yeah. Maybe the turnovers come back. I don't know. Uh, but this is his chance to cash in, and so he should get everything that he can. But it's in his best interest, I think, to stay with the Giants. It's in the Giants' best interest to keep him because if they don't keep him, well, then you're, start, you're really starting over from scratch again, mm-hmm. and what's the plan to get something better than him? Yeah, you're right. Do you see a scenario where they surprisingly just franchise him for a year? I could, but I don't know. It just feels like with the Giants, all these things always tend to work out. Yeah. So I think that they'll figure out a way to, to come up with some sort of deal. Mm-hmm. That he's back. He's happy. He gets a certain number that he's looking to get and that the Giants can live with. Yeah. Lock it in. Well, I didn't say it's a guarantee. I, I just I would be very surprised if that did happen. Uh, they I, I mean, it would be so delicious in some ways. As a non-Giant fan, for the guy that Giant fans have complained about mm-hmm. since since he was drafted, and oh, get this guy out of here. He's not franchise. Right. Imagine all of a sudden he decides to leave and and go someplace. I don't know where else he would go, but. The Indianapolis Colts have brought in Daniel Jones. They say stole him away from the Giants. That would be crazy. We'll continue I, I the conversation. I don't see that happening. We'll continue the conversation next on 987 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. We'll get back to the uh, NFL playoffs uh, in a couple of minutes. I just want to get your thoughts on the Knicks and this four-game losing streak and uh, you know, in following them yesterday, I was just, I was extremely frustrated. And I and I got that, uh, you know, you didn't have Mitchell Robinson and you didn't have Emmanuel quickly. But it's just, it, it is just kind of a, a, 
there's there's such an up and down team because of that's who they are, right? When you, when they are they're two games over 500 because that's who they are, and you look at them and and the old things are creeping back up again. Not not uh, you know defending the three well and you know uh, just just not play. They didn't play with any life. It's just. They were just so sluggish, and they're starting to with tomorrow night's game, which you can hear right here on 98.7 ESPN, with Cleveland. Then they have Cleveland. They've got Boston. They've got Brooklyn. And the next coming, their next eight games, which started with Toronto, Gordon, they're not going to be easy. So you know this could be a do or die situation for them, and I, not being dramatic, but this could be a do or die situation for them as to them getting so far in a hole is going to be hard for them to climb out of. Yeah, no question. Uh, well, look, when they were, what were the, the high watermark? Five games, six games over 500, mm-hmm. whatever it was. We, we both said, this is them scraping up against the ceiling of the ceiling. This is about as good as it's going to get. And unless something miraculous happens, they're not almost certainly going to finish as the sixth seed in the East. They're, they're not going to finish any higher than that. This is as good as it... And, and this is with Jalen Brunson playing at an all-world level. And this is with, with Randall playing at an all-star level. And the injuries not really impacting them all that much. So the Knicks are, the Knicks are, are a team that uh, they're kind of middle of the road. Mm-hmm. That's what they are. The, the, the expectation was, should have always been, let's see this team make the play-in. That's yep. the best. That, that's the most realistic goal for this team. They're not, they're not a great team. The, the loss of, of Mitchell Robinson is a big one. Uh, and now that they're going up against the better competition, yeah, these things are going to show up. So it's amazing to me. Every time that the Knicks go on a, a, a losing skid, it always becomes the same things. Mm-hmm. Oh, they got to get they, – they can't win with, with Julius Randle here. They got to get him out of here. Tibbs' message is wearing thin. This is who they are. Like, I don't know what people expect. What were you expecting coming into the year if you – if they drop down a seven or eight or nine – that's kind of what I expected coming into the year. What did you expect? Did you, do you look at the top? For all the people that are saying it's time to get a new coach, do you look at the Knicks and, and think, hey, you know what? These guys should be competing with the top five seeds in the East. They should clearly be the sixth team in the East. I, I just don't know what people are expecting. Well, I think, uh, Gordon, because we had talked so much about, oh, thank God we got a point guard, mm-hmm. and what you saw Jalen Brunson be able to do when he got here and you saw the, the – the, his style of play and how, how effective he's been, I think people thought that that was, okay, at least we're going to be in the, in the playoffs. And you and I both said, this is an 8-9. Eight, nine, eight, nine, yeah, no. absolutely. If they, if they make the play-in, that's going to be okay. <laughs> that's probably going to be, unless, and then, of course, the next thing is, all right, well, what are they going to do at the trade deadline? And so now as you start to hear, you know, the Wizards made a deal today. Um, so you're starting to see now where, you know, names are starting to be mentioned in the trade situation. Obviously, uh, Evan Fournier got a chance to play last night because of the fact that, you know, Emmanuel quickly was out with the sore knee. So now you know, are they showcasing him? What are they going to get? And with the money, you know, when you read what most people are saying, Gordon, because of the money he's making, you're going to have to attach a draft choice to him to see what you're going to get. And here's the thing. What do you think you're going to get for Evan Fournier in the draft pick? <laughs> I don't know. What do you think you're going to get? Especially because the organization, to me, this is crystal clear. And not that they've come out and said it because they don't come out and say anything. But to <laughs> me, it's crystal clear what they want to do. They want to be respectable. They don't want to tear it down. They don't want to be a laughing stock. They don't want to be low lottery where they, you know, they're winning 20 games a season. They want to try to put something on the floor that's entertaining that competes, that can win its share of games, but they also don't want to lock themselves into anything mm-hmm. because they want to remain flexible for if and when a superstar, a true superstar becomes available so that they can go out and get that superstar. So they'd like to build something. They want to be credible. They want to, be, they want to present stability, right? They don't want to be changing the coach every other year. They don't want to be making, you know, uh, trades, desperation trades every single year. They don't want to be trading away draft picks all the time either. Mm-hmm. But th- unfortunately, that path leads you to where they're at, yeah. which is middle of the road. They're a middle-of-the-road team. Uh, how many nights do the Knicks have the best talent on the floor? 
Not many. Not many. When? <laughs> Not many. How many nights did the Knicks have the best talent on the floor? Like the, the number one guy. If you were drafting the two nope. teams, you would take the Nick guy first. Still waiting. Still, it's a, it's a, it's very rare. Still waiting. <laughs> so I don't think that this is going to change, and I don't think that the 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 uh, trade deadline is. They'll probably make a move. They'll probably mm-hmm. move Cam Reddish if they can move Fournier. They will, but I I just think that this is. This is kind of where they're at. And it's yeah. not it's not a I can understand why they want to do it because they don't want to be a punchline, they don't want to be laughing stock, but it, it kind of limits your options. And and in fairness to them, we all said, well, if you're going to get a free agent to come here, you you have to have something in place for them to want to come here. Mm-hmm. They're not going to come here and play and be the savior on a 20-win team. No. So if you can't tear it all down and hope the ping-pong balls go your way finally, I think this is kind of what it looks like, and and I get it on a on a night to night basis. It's frustrating, blowing leads, losing games that you feel like you should win, but I just think this is this is kind of where the Knicks are at. Yeah, it's unfortunate. <laughs> well, look, I, I mean, again, it's they are better than what they were. I mean, they're not mm-hmm. winning twenty games a year. You can turn on the TV, and most nights they are entertaining. Now they're frustrating. Yes. But I think generally they're frustrating because you feel like you should be winning more games, right? Yes, you, yes. It's not the 21 season that you turn on the TV and you realize, oh, God, these, they're going to get hammered tonight. How, mm-hmm. how, how bad is it going to get tonight? Mm-hmm. It's a little right. bit better than that. It is better than that. And it's almost though when you look at it, you're just like, well, you know, are, are, they, are, they, are they wasting Jalen Brunson? Or are they, you know, are they – are they wasting these these great performances, these these very, very, very good performances from Julius Randle? I mean, we got, I mean look at them last night. What, they had 24-19? And they lose. I mean, yeah. how is he – and he's in a no-win situation, right? Because, you know, he's playing as well as he can play, and you're still not satisfied because, Gordon, he there's, there's so many things. Nobody has the perfect game. You know, there's very, very few players that have a perfect game. But you're really frustrated because you see him do the same things over and over again. Why are you dribbling over to the corner when you know they're going to double team and that's where they, they're making you go? Why are you doing that? And not not that Obi Toppin has been playing great, okay, because he has not. Last night, when you're looking for scoring, he gave you, like, some scoring in the second quarter. And then he doesn't come back until the fourth quarter. And, you know, I guess he was cold or he couldn't pick up the piece. And then, you know, the bench was just awful again. And the bench is awful because, you know, there's not – they don't nope. play enough. They never play. You know, they don't and, play. And your yeah. starters are start, – Gordon, you started – the starting minutes are starting to creep up and you're seeing it in games. It's Absolutely. affecting them. Absolutely. Well, there's a price to be paid for trying to be credible, right? There's a price to yep. be paid to, to, to squeezing out all the juice out of the fruit – uh, 40 games into the season and, and riding essentially six or seven guys every single night. So, uh, and not being the most talented team in the process. And, and a couple of years ago when the Knicks got into the playoffs, the first year with Tibbs and Randall had that amazing season and a, 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 an all-star type season. Once that season was over, we all said, well, you know, Randall can't be the number one guy. You got to get somebody. And, and, and Brunson's been really good. But on most nights, it's Randall or Brunson. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it, it's not Brunson by a mile. Right. It's still Randall's team, kind of. So they really haven't changed. Now, I think that the, the, the supporting cast is a little bit better. Brunson's obviously a big piece that they didn't have a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I hope that Barrett becomes a, a little bit more steady and, and consistent. But they're not that all that talented of a team. and. And, and as many excuses as I will give the front office of wanting to remain flexible, they've screwed up a lot of things. Yeah. Picking Obi Toppin was a complete miss. Yep. They have wasted that pick, and that was yep. the eighth pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Should have took yeah Fournier, like obviously. The Cam Reddish trade was, was, uh, was a mistake. Yeah. A lot of a lot of mistakes. They have not. It's not a clean slate for by. No. It's not like they're just waiting around, waiting for a superstar to come available. They they've screwed up. Leon Rose has screwed up a lot of things along the way. Yeah, they have. They have. And now you're looking, and you know, Donovan Mitchell scoring seventy one. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, we yeah, we don't want to give up all those second round picks. You know, 
scored. I know not. I mean, he's missing some games now, but seventy-one. Woo! Yeah. Tell you, you know, it, it's 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 crazy. It's crazy. One eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. I promise we'll take your calls next on ninety-eight seven ESPN. This is ESPN New York tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on ninety-eight point seven ESPN. And no matter what you think about him, and Lord knows he has his shortcomings, but where are you getting twenty-one and ten? Yeah. See, that's the other thing. You're, you're, the way your roster is constructed right now, you can't afford to give him up unless you're getting somebody that's going to give you those numbers. You, you don't have anybody that you don't have anybody that can even get close to that on this team. So you're, you're kind of stuck right now. I hear what you're saying, and and so that's why you're right and Gordon's right. It, it, this is a team that is limited to how far they can go. This is not a third seed. This is not a fourth seed. Gordon, talent-wise, this is not even a sixth seed. This is, you know, from seven to ten. Where they are right now, they're the seventh seed. This is this is where they belong from a talent standpoint. Now, can you play above your talent? Can you go on a roll and, and catch some teams napping or get some teams who might be injured and not performing? Yeah, there's, some, there's a handful of games that you can win that you'll go out and maybe it's the second half of a back-to-back or – another situation uh, where you win some games. But it's, it's, it's really going to be tough. You are a play-in team right now, and with a bad streak, you could be looking outside the playoffs again. Oh, no question. No, I mean, if you think about it, everybody has injuries, well, who's it going to affect the most? The team with the least amount of talent, yep. <laughs> right? right. The, the top five teams, they, they can uh, – not that they all can – deal with any injury i mean the nets have certainly struggled some since durant went down but the knicks cannot really afford to be missing pieces because they don't have that many pieces to begin with <laughs> they don't right. play that many guys so the, the the margin for error is very slim and i get it when they're sitting there at sixth in the east and they're they're sitting there five six games over 500 you're starting to puff your chest out and saying all right this is what i'm talking that was always kind of fool's gold they're they're not mm-hmm. that level of team so I just wonder what people are expecting. And here's another thing. Like everybody might say, oh, we got to get Randall out of here. He had an amazing year two years ago. He had a down year last year. He's back to kind of where he was two years ago. doesn't seem like the phone's ringing off the hook by anybody wanting mm-hmm. Julius Randall. Yeah. I think that's pretty clear. That's right. That's right. Felix in the Bronx. Hey, Felix, you're next on 98.7. How are you, how you doing, guys? Uh, good evening. Uh, listen, no, no matter who they get, the team is awful. You you could get Durant tomorrow, and they're still going to be the Knicks because they don't have talent. They who's going to score if they if the other team decides to guard Durant? Who's going to score? Who's going to score? Well, no, they're I mean they, they're not they, terrible. They they are over five hundred. I mean they're not they're not they, miserable. But they they are. But what's going to happen with these next eight games that they have with with good teams? Ah, look, I mean, with Tibbs, we've we've been down this road before. It feels like that there's plenty of time. Every time Thanks, it feels Felix. like the roof is going to cave in, they they generally find a way to to stop the the ship from sinking. I mean, there were times earlier this year where there were three or four games under 500, Larry, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they figured out what. Now this is going to be more difficult. They're playing better teams. The the Mitchell Robinson injury is certainly an impo- a significant one. But uh, let's. It always feels. This is what it feels. It feels like that people are so conditioned when the Knicks things go wrong that it's oh, oh see it's it's a, it's a disaster they're not a disaster they're they're middle of the road and i think that they'll kind of still stick in that middle of the road even during this difficult stretch felix disaster is 20 wins disaster is 25 yeah. wins disaster is is you know 28 wins or single or 17 or 18 wins that's disaster uh right now what they are is frustrating it's not a disaster absolutely they're frustrating because they play in spurts well enough where you think, wow, see, this is what they can do. So it's there. It's the frustrating thing is, why can't they do this consistently? And the answer is because you don't have the talent to do it consistently because everybody's got to play a certain way every night for them to be that way. And they don't have the talent where you have that margin for error. So if Julius Randle goes six for 19, they're not winning that game. They're not winning that game unless unless R.J. Barrett goes for 40 
and and Jalen Brunson has a has another special night. They're not winning that game. So they, you know they don't have a big three in that talent wise. They have three guys <laughs> that they get their scoring from, but they don't have a big three. They have a they have a medium sized three. And just to keep them, I know it feels like that this is the Knicks have been stuck in this mode here mm. forever. I've heard that lately on our station. Oh, you know, this is the position the Knicks have been stuck in for a while. Before this regime took 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 over, their loss totals for the previous six years forty five losses, and that was uh, twenty one and forty five. Uh, before that, it was 17 and 65. They lost oh. 53 games, 51 games, oh. 50 games, 65 games, oh, 45 games. Oh. I'm reliving all those games. Six and that takes off. you back to the Mike Woodson years. So, oh. I mean, it, it can certainly be a whole lot worse. I get it. It's frustrating. You, you want it. To, you want to finally be able to turn a corner and feel like, hey, you know what? We're part of that top five, top six for sure. They're not there yet. No. No. And – don't know where they're going, so you just got to – here's what you got to do, Nick fans. Just got to roll with the team. See how they go. Just ride with them. That's all you can do. You're going to be frustrating, but it's not – think of it as Gordon mentioned. Which is more frustrating, two games over 500 or winning 17 games? <laughs> oh, God, 17 games. 17 oh, games. 17, 17 and 65. Games. Do I have to mention Jeff Hornacek's name? Oh. Do I have to mention Derek Fisher's name? Oh, Do I have to mention God. David Fisdale? Oh, God. Take that for data? Oh. You may be doing the rest of the show by yourself. <laughs> I mean, I get oh. it. It's frustrating, right? You want, you, you want the glory days again. You want to feel like you're on the path to something. They're not going to be on the path to anything until they get a superstar player. That's oh. it. So if you if you need them to if you can't sit and enjoy the team when they're playing well and riding with it back and forth, I would say forget about it, go do something else, and when they eventually trade for a superstar, you'll hear about it. And here's the other thing that makes it frustrating. They're not going to get a superstar player until they get better. <laughs> right, it's kind of a, and and look, they've they've eliminated to a certain degree the path towards getting one, right? Mm -hmm. Like if yep. you're just, a, you know, there's very many paths you could go. You could try and get a draft pick, right? You can try and win the lottery or, or, or get somebody in the draft that way. If Now they'll still have draft picks, but it, it is harder. They haven't, haven't exactly nailed it when they've had higher picks. So mm -hmm. you, it, it's not impossible to get somebody who's a real impact star player in the middle of the draft, but it, it's, it's rarer. And for them, it's, it, it never happens. Right. They've done a decent job of finding some nice role players at the end of the first round. But they've they've put all their eggs in the basket of, okay, we're going to build something that's stable and credible and hope that eventually we can trade for a superstar. We're going to acquire assets. We're going to remain flexible. We're not going to go full bore into anything because we don't want to be locked into a team that's a 40-win team. They can they can pivot if, they, if something becomes available. The problem right. is nothing. One guy, since they've got here – would would qualify as what you would say is a, a star player, and that's Donovan Mitchell. They came close. They didn't make the deal. Mm -hmm. And now they're sitting waiting again. Yep. Again. 1-800-919-3776. We'll take more of your calls next on 987 ESPN. Take that for data. That's go. Gordon Damon. I'm, I'm, I'm riding, I'm riding yes. right now with uh, Don LaGreca's ice pick for tonight. Are you? What was his three, ice pick? Three-leg parlay. Ooh. Maple Leafs cashed. Mm -hmm. Sabres cashed. We're now hanging on the Flames. 3-2 lead going to the third. Ooh. McGregor making some shekels for Gordon. Huh? Well, let's hope so, because if he doesn't start soon, I'm, I'm thinking about putting him on my taxes as a, as a dependent <laughs> for the amount of money these ice picks. They, they've been ice cold. Now, they've not been DiPietro level ice cold, but still, they've been bad. Yeah, he's had a tough stretch. Tough stretch in this ice picks. He's had a tough stretch. But, you know, maybe it's turning around. Ice cold ice picks. Yes. Well, yes. No, let, let's, let's hope so for tonight. Yeah, he's turning around. He's turning around. Yeah. He has to. He's Donnie Pucks. Absolutely. And listen, uh, a little extra money to get ready for Valentine's Day is helpful. Well, certainly not losing any money for Valentine's <laughs> Day would be helpful. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. No that question about that. That would be a good start. Uh, it would be. It would be. I have faith in Don. You'll be okay. Yeah. You'll be okay. So. It's a one goal lead, three two. I've never, I've never cared about hockey so much in my life, Larry. <laughs> I 
especially in the regular season. I can't even yell at the players. I don't even know who's on the Flames. Hey, 12, get moving. That's it. Just yell at numbers. Well, that's what coaches do. Yeah, well, well, 14, we got to stop 14. That's what coaches do. They don't know the names either. Spike's in St. Pete. What's up, Spike? Gordon, it's called the in-game batting. How much is at stake? I'm not asking for the amount, but uh, no, it, it's, 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 no, it's just a little sprinkle. It's nothing. It's okay. nothing significant. Uh, well, it must be three, four. All right, Larry, we've already gone through this today. I don't want to be the harbinger. I'm an upbeat guy. I'm an old guy, but I'm an upbeat guy. I love, full disclosure again, Gordon. Larry and I've been going back and forth all day trying to figure this Nick thing out. I don't want to sprinkle the bad news, but they got to get the 39 wins because. How would you like to play one game gets into the play-in with Toronto? I know who I'm betting on. That's for sure. Chicago's coming up, and you can't count out um, Indiana. And uh, the Knicks can just as easily wind up 11th as they can, 10th, 9th, or That's Completely okay. And, and the way they've been playing, and, and again, I mean, I've been doing this a lot the last few days. They, their fourth quarter performances. You know, my friend says says the way to do it, really. He says honestly, and he'll never do it is take Randall out of the game at the end of the game because he won't be able to handle the blowback. I said, do you want him on the line at the end of the game? Do you want him to to get an and one down by three? Do you want him to get uh, he he needs two and he gets fouled? Come on, we've seen him all those situations fail. He's just a numbers hanger. We know that. we got to live with him. He's our alpha, but Brunson's our closer, and it's taking away from the development of Grimes because Grimes is, is the best shooter on the team. There's no question in my mind now. I'm not looking at percentages, but the defense he has to put in, guarding the best guy, he's not that big. He's not small, but it causes a lot of standing around. Listen, we've been talking about this for years. So, so the alpha carries the ball. Everyone that calls, the same people call, obviously, but the Nick people, it's the same complaint about Randall. I told Larry last night, I did a lot of research. In the last thousand, I think I did um, about a thousand. I think it was 40 pages of, of 25. They have the little dots where Randall's position, you always see that, right? The blue dots and the red dots, they're all within eight feet, eight tens feet of each other on the left side by, by the uh, elbow. We all know where it is, and he never sees the trap. Am I right, Larry? Yeah, never does. So what do you do at the end of the game? He shouldn't have the ball at the end of the game unless he is a decoy or he's going up to, for a putback. Because you don't want him on the line. You don't want him passing the ball with two seconds to go throwing the guy a grenade. Or you don't want him to even put the back up. He gets all those 19 rebounds because he keeps missing his own shots, which is a stupid rebounding figure to begin with. You know, well, what did I say to you yesterday, Larry? He looks like he's pipe pumping up a bike underneath sometimes. Yeah. Up and down, up and down. He's Charles Smith, but his hands are below the rim. You've got to do something. How do you close out these games at home? I've said this to you a hundred times, Larry. Be, a team equal to you, inferior to you at home, closing them out is difficult. The Knicks have blown nine games this year at home. They're under 500 at home. Brunson's lost three. He had two good looks. They were the right shots he just missed. Brunson is the guy who needs the ball in his hand to make the decision at the end of the game. I know you guys will agree with me. I'll wait till I hear that answer. It's not Randall. It's Brunson. Have a great night, boys. All right, Spike. Thanks for checking in. And once again, Gordon, it's a scenario where, you know, Julius Randall is a guy. He's used to the offense going through him. The offense has gone through him ever Mm -hmm. since he's been here. And so how do you now, if you're Thibodeau, who – values his relationships with his veterans like you value what the flames are doing yes very much um so. uh so how does he now tell julius give up the ball now he does you see him relinquish it sometimes but gordon not late in games he doesn't do it late in games because he feels like you know this is my time i'm the guy here this is my team isn't that it's not jalen brunson's team it's certainly not rj barrett's team this is my team they brought me here to be, quote, the guy, unquote. So that's why he's doing it. He wants the ball in his hands. And there's got to be a way where they adjust the offense where, you know, he doesn't dribble over to the stay away. If he stays away from the sidelines, he's okay. <laughs> he just always ends up dribbling to the sidelines, and then the double team comes, and he's trying to force the ball out 
is there's eight hands over there, and it ends up going the other way. That's where you get your turnovers. So they have to do a better job on their inbounds plays, you know, late in games and what they run in the half court. And Because, Gordon, when you play better teams, they've already scouted you. They're going to take a lot of stuff away from you. And so that's that's why you uh, you know that's why we say that they're not what they they're not as good as they've been playing. No, uh, and look, I think they can they can pick things up. Uh, yes. you know, closing out some some leads at home, I would expect mm-hmm. them to be able to do that at some point. I mean, there were mm-hmm. times earlier this year they were horrendous uh, in terms of uh, three point defense. They improved yep. in that, uh, yep. so they can certainly pick things up in certain areas. But in terms of what, what how is Tibbs going to address for Julius Randle at the end of the game? He's not. He's not. <laughs> they're going to keep doing the same thing they've been doing right. here for the last three years. That's right. There's, there's no comment. No comment. Well, you know, we're working on things. Well, mm-hmm. everybody else has got to move away. <laughs> well, when Randall has the ball, everybody else move. That that's the solution, right? That's what Tibbs is gonna say. Move, stop standing there looking at it. Move, take your guy away. Take your guy away from him. Move, move, move the basketball. Move you, move out of the way. That's what they'll do. But you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, right now, as you know, they're seventh, twenty-five and twenty-three. They're well, I guess not. Atlanta lost tonight. Uh, so they're a game ahead of them for eighth. They're two games ahead of Atlanta, of Indiana and Chicago for ninth and tenth. And you know, listen, to, if Toronto had to play the Knicks, they, they'd be. If Toronto had to play the Knicks so far this year, about six or seven. They'd games, be the seventy-two they'd, win Bulls. <laughs> they, they, they'd be rivaling Boston. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they do. I, I, they just have the next number for whatever reason. I think, I think the good news is, if you're a Knicks fan, uh, at worst case scenario, good news is. It's really 12 teams for 10 spots. Right. I don't think the Magic are going to compete. I don't even know if the Wizards are ever going to get to that level either. Wizards Mm -hmm. are six games under right now. Uh, Toronto is six games under. So you do have some wiggle room. Uh, Mm -hmm. You'd like it to be that you don't just get in the play-in and then are are quickly ousted. But that's not even – the the play-in has never been a guarantee. It's not like the Knicks have passed some Rubicon where they don't have to worry about the play-in anymore and it's just about focusing on the playoffs. That's – I mean, take a look at how things break down. The top six right now, the Heat, are are six, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Which group do you think the Knicks belong with more? The Celtics, Sixers, Bucks, Nets, Cavs, and Heat, or the Hawks, Pacers, and Bulls, and Raptors? They're they're right where they are where they belong. Right. (laughs) You are what your record says you are. The Knicks are right where they belong. They're right where they belong, and they haven't even played Miami. I mean, they're going to have a bunch. Oh, no, Larry. Oh, no. The Columbus Blue Jackets have tied it up, Larry. How much time left? Fifteen minutes. Oh, you I got uh, you got plenty of time. You oh, time. this Lagreca. You got time. You got time. He'll be okay. Hang in there. You got time. You got time. We'll continue to find where this. Next. What is it? The CBC. What what channel are they on? I gotta I gotta I gotta get up on the satellite roof, on the roof with a satellite dish and start pointing it towards Canada so I can get a game here. Damn right, it so, up. All right, so we'll we'll we'll, we'll oh, no. Gordon, we'll take a break while you go on the roof, and we'll come back and see what's going on with that game. That's next on 98.7. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN.